Cinema. in Cinema Yugen. That's the new show. Cinema Yugen's Yugen is a Japanese word. And so we're going to be taking a deep dive into the beautiful, obscure, obscure depths of cinema. And my first guest on this show is my friend, filmmaker, the man, the legend, Kron Christopoulos, the director of Alien Sons, the co-author of Mother Hunter, the greatest osportation not yet uh Coming to a <laughs> you not yet, I say, because one day it will be. Come on, it's great to have you back. It's great to be back. Hello, Mr. Kent Hill. Firstly, I'd like to say it's an honor to be on your show and the first show oh, of shit. this uh, amazing new journey. Thank you very much, mate. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure. Well, I wanted, I want uh, there's there's an awful lot of people making videos and an awful lot of cinema podcasts. And here's another one, but, um, <laughs> but there's an yep. awful lot of people out there reviewing movies. And I noticed that a lot of the movies that they review are just mainly from the Hollywood sausage factory. Um, that is not the entire uh, story. It never is. There are so many movies. When I was at podcasting and softly, there were so many movies that uh, I was able to see that, didn't get press or, or didn't get released or anywhere else. So it's important that I think for people to be informed that what is in the cinema is not all the movies that you are allowed to watch or that you can watch or that you can hope to find because uh, if you dig a little bit deeper, <clears throat> you'll find that there's uh, a fantastic undercurrent of people with a lot of things to say and you are certainly one of them with Alien Sons. You can watch it right now on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, we will uh, we'll put a link uh, somewhere in the description box uh, to Alien Sons. You can watch Alien Sons not only in its uh, its full version, but there's a an audio commentary, a director's commentary version too. On, there isn't there, Con? That's correct, mate. That's correct. Uh, look, it's fantastic that people like you are out there to acknowledge uh, the arts in what could arguably be their purest form, uh, people who are just driven purely by a dream, to quote a cliche, and by passion. And um, the, the fear of not giving up, the fear of giving up on their dreams because of lack of funding, lack of resources, lack of pretty much everything, um, now, Alien Sons, I consider, I, I started writing it when I was about 18, um, finally got a crew together to film it, um, despite girlfriends leaving me because they thought I was psychotic, uh, a dreamer, all that sort of stuff. Um, I finally got a crew to do it uh, when I was about 32 years old. I'm now 51. Um I won't go into the gory details of what it took to get it filmed because we'll be here for six hours. I don't want people to fall asleep. Um, but the thing is I got it sort of completed at the age of 51 when the last editor who was having a crack at uh, trying to edit it, 
Um, she drifted away. I was trying to get in touch with her. Amazingly, I, I just said to myself, okay, this is going to be another project that ends up in the cupboard unfinished. Amazingly, she got back to me and I got my hands on the footage. And what I did simply to complete the project, because I always said to myself, if I make this movie in my lifetime, sure. I'll die a happy man. Sure. Okay. That, right. So I got my hands on it. Um, it was probably about 80, 85% complete. Mm -hmm. And because of work and daily life commitments mm -hmm. and the resources I had, which was none, and the skills that I had to edit, which was none, I basically just sat down and to call the project complete, I posted it as is on YouTube. And it's, I titled it Alien Sons, um, the movie that never was completed, something like that. Right. And then I did a narrated version where it's just me uh, watching the footage, going through the journey of making it. And that narrated version um, I called Rebel Without a Clue, <laughs> the movie that took 31 years to make. Right. Um, so they're the two versions I've got on YouTube. Now, I'm happy so far because I've got ballpark 100 views. Now, the reason I'm happy is because when I was trying to get people to help me to make it, I did a little trailer right. with a 100-watt incandescent bulb, some right. actors that gave me their time for free, hmm. and a VHS camera on VHS tape. Right. And I did. I put together a little one-minute, one 38-second trailer, hmm. and I, I spoke to a guy who was running an independent cinema in the Valley. And he agreed to let me use the cinema for the night for about 150 bucks. I go. never gave him the money. I never had it, oh, but yeah. uh, I feel really bad about that. But um, uh, I invited all these people, mate, this is pre-internet and I invited <laughs> all these people, 38 people showed up physically to wow. see it. And I thought that was a fucking huge achievement. Yeah. It's intense. Sunny coast all over Brisbane, whatever. <laughs> So I was happy to get 38 views. Now with the internet, it's on the internet. Uh, sure. Whatever I could produce is on the internet. Sure. Um, and I'm happy so far to get 100 views. Sure. But being out there in the, the land of internet, I'm sort of thinking, and again, it, it may be wishful thinking, I know, but maybe someone catches wind of it and says, hey, he's got another idea, <laughs> which is co-written by this wonderful guy called Kent Hill. Um, Who's that? And yeah, it's, it's, that's another story altogether, mate. You could write a book on him. He's great. Um, but um, he he's a true he is a true warrior of cinema. Oh. I'll put it that way. <laughs> now, um, so I'm just hoping that some miracle happens, basically, because mm -hmm. I do believe in miracles. You got to believe in miracles to maintain a dream. You have to. You, know? you, have, to, you have to believe in miracles to uh, to make one come about. Um, yeah. Because uh, if if you have a dream and not even you believe in it, then you're kind of stuffed. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> there's, no, there's no hope. There's no hope for someone who doesn't even believe in their own dreams, or the, or themselves for that fact. If you if you don't believe in yourself, you'll never get anywhere. You wouldn't get That's out right. of as if you didn't. You'd go well. It's just it's nicer and warmer and safer and better just to lie here, you know. And have someone right. represent me like a sausage every you know couple of half hours, yeah. but no one wants to go to their grave living like that. So um, we try, we keep on trying. And of course, you mentioned in there Mother Hunter, which um, 
to fill in our listeners, uh, I came across Con uh, on social media um, towards the end of the 2010s. Um, geez, didn't we didn't we take for granted those years? Uh, yeah, 20 k. Um, but yeah, uh, social media. He was chasing Tarantino. I saw a lot of these videos. He was um, going to hunt down uh, the man who they say at the moment is is working on his last movie. He's not going to make any more movies because uh, he sees the the death of cinema, or certainly the the death of uh, the purest cinema as we enter into the age of of commercial. Uh, commercially orientated content. They don't even call them movies anymore. Um, but, yeah, he was chasing Tarantino. Uh, the idea was this Mother Hunter story. Uh, I interviewed Con for podcasting, softly relating to said subject. And um, uh, as the story goes, in, in, in a shorter version, Con sent me a, um, a piece of um, a script which he had, he had uh, poured all of his heart into. And there was uh, enough there um, to find a way through. And then uh, I sat one night and had a couple of beers and, and scribbled with it and, and a script came out. Um, and and not a bad script too, I have to say. Um, it's an Osportation movie of, of um, certainly of the style and the standard that don't exist anymore. I could certainly see if we were back probably in the 70s, even the early 80s, we probably have had a better chance then at doing something this insane. But that doesn't mean that the the old thunder can't come back, uh, I believe. Um, we, of course, live in a different age to the age of exploitation. So a movie like Mother Hunter is a, is a difficult sell. It's a different kind of sell because it's a niche market. But we don't really subscribe to any of that. I think that the audience doesn't know what they're uh, what they're missing yet until they uh, until they you put it in front of them. You know, this, this is absolutely true, and that's sort of what's pushing me to keep 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 dreaming about it and looking for that miracle because I do believe the the project has the potential to entertain. A lot of people. And in regards to the Chasing Tarantino thing, Mm. I got so close, mate, Um, an industry insider in Australia who's considered mates with Tarantino. Right. Couldn't give Tarantino's direct contact details for confidentiality reasons he didn't want to infringe upon. Sure. But I did get in touch with Tarantino's agents Right. And they just wouldn't push the project through to Tarantino for me. They just wouldn't do it, despite my argument. This was going on for a few years, mate, a few years before I even met you. Sure. Uh, uh, but, yeah, so close yet so far. But in my mind, possibly delusional mind, maybe a mind of wishful thinking, it's floating around and I think – Somehow he may have caught at least some wind of it, mm. you know, some sort of hint of it sure. uh, somehow through the network of the industry. Um, mm. I was I was hot with his agents while he was getting ready to film Django Unchained. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and they did mention that he was too busy and all this sort of stuff. I mentioned to him that he's into exploitation, was inspired by it, yes. blah, 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 blah. blah. Totally. They agreed to 
all that, but they also agreed to not give Quentin any unsolicited material. And I was trying to convince them that just this once, they should break that rule, but they refused to. So um, I'm at a stage with it now where you helped me co-write it and finish it, format it, and I'm forever indebted to you for that. Uh, but now we've got a script, a workable script. Uh, should we just find that right contact in the link to actually get the movie made? So and yeah, it, and it's and it's and it's not just, I guess, to producers out there. This isn't just a script. This is a template for awesomeness. This is uh, this is you. This is a. Uh, like I say, this is kind of like Mad Max meets the Passion of the Christ. It's got some incredible sequences, hardcore, you might call them. Uh, certainly that opening sequence, um, you know, to tease it a little bit for people out there listening, is is an entrance like no other hero has ever had in cinema history. He walks, you know, the old... the old scenario of the gunfighter or the good guy who walks into a place that, everyone's out to kill him and he's not phased. Well, we're about to turn that on its head. We're about to blow that like Oppenheimer out the atomic bung in the universe. <laughs> we, got, we got that beat and we've got a scene at the end for Nicolas Cage. We might as well put it out there. We've got a scene for Nicolas Cage at the end of this movie that Nicolas Cage was born to play. It's probably the part that he has never played and he doesn't even know that he wants to play it, but if he's out there and hears this randomly because someone say, hey, there's this weird Australian bloke on the internet podcasting talking about Nicolas Cage. Well, Nicholas, if you hear this, we might as well just ask him out loud. If you hear this, we've got a part for you in this movie. He's probably heard this before too. But um, if he's listening, we've got a part for you in this movie that's going to like put you right up on the highest throne. Pop. Absolutely, mate. I believe it'll, it'll complete his artistic journey like yeah. nothing else could complete yeah. it. Yes, it's that's it. That's it. That's it. Enough. It'll complete your artistic journey like nothing else. Now, like no other part you've ever played in your life. You've won an Oscar. That's good, but this is better. This this will take it to the next level. This is beyond Oscar. This is like that's just like a cheap trophy on the shelf. That's right, mate. This is playing the ultimate role, yes. and with him in it, just that scene, which is such a valid scene. It's not just a, a glorification to put someone successful in a cool role. It's a valid scene, and it's so valid yeah. that it could launch him as an actor yeah. into the next stratosphere of artistic genius. Yeah. Um, I also believe that it would be in his interest to even invest in the movie. Nick, if you hear this, sure. seriously, I think you could not just break some pretty cool ground artistically, but financially sure. uh, make a commercial success that doesn't pander to the modern mainstream idea of commercialism. This is some next-level business, Nick. So if you hear this out there somewhere, yes. please get in touch with Kent. Yeah. Somehow via his podcast or whatever. Get in touch. And let's do, you know, we'll see let's you do. Have mm. your people call our people. We are our people, so you'll have to call us. Um, <laughs> Direct. If I had a personal assistant, I'd get a lot done. Um, <laughs> maybe one day. 
I'd just like to feel what it's like maybe for a week or so, you know, have someone wake you up and ring you breakfast and feed python and, um, yeah. But uh, not that I own a python, but um, if I did, I would have an assistant feed it. <laughs> Go and feed Budgie. What are you calling Budgie? They say, well, he eats them. Um, yeah. 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 But, yeah. You never know, yeah. Kent, never know, Kent, mate. Keep chipping away and, um, yeah, yeah, it might might well happen, you know. might it well might, happen. It might do. Everyone, everyone, I think everyone has a chance at their dream if they – I think I think the problem with this industry is you have to make your own chances. Yes, think, you do. I think you have to build your own chances. You do, mate, and and that's why the odds are stacked against us uh, in places like uh, Brisbane, Warwick, which is even more so. As you know, there is no industry, and we're people trying to create an industry Hmm. unto itself so we can get our product out there in an environment where, despite the fact that we're not making any money and we do maintain our dreams and artistic integrity, um, there exists the tall poppy syndrome where it's like, it's not like, oh, good on you for having a dream and pushing on with it. It's almost like, how dare you have a dream? You fool, you dreamer, you idiot. How yes. dare you have a dream? How dare you hold a dream? How dare you pursue a dream? And to a degree, I believe that for people like us, because our motives are so driven by sincerity, <laughs> that in itself may well drive us to keep going possibly you know so because you're um you're look in hollywood they say you're only as good as your last movie um if you have a dream to make movies that that kind of applies as well uh you're only as good as the last script you've written you're only as good as the last thing you've directed you're only as good as the last thing you've acted in um and if you continue to do that at any level, at the most fundamental level right up to the highest professional level, then eventually uh, there will be some sort of reckoning. I mean, the work at some point will speak for itself, but you have to continually, like all of these content creators that I've seen out there uh, on YouTube, with thousands, I mean, there's thousands of people reviewing movies up the wazoo it's 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 really turned into some sort of cinematic insanity where everyone i mean i know they say that everyone is a critic but now literally everyone is right you can go on these youtube channels and find all these people reviewing old movies new movies first reaction to watching some movies it's insane uh everyone uh everyone is literally a critic uh, the only problem is that, that when you when you get down to the nitty gritty, I was watching a chap earlier this morning on his uh, YouTube show reviewing Oppenheimer, which I'm interested to go and have a look at. But um, he was talking about Robert Downey Jr. and he says, you know, Robert Downey Jr. has always been a good actor. I've loved him ever since. And he stopped for a minute to think about it. And he said, I've loved him ever since. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. That's when he played a, a different sort of character because he'd been, he said he's been Iron Man for years now. And there, if you know, if you know anything about cinema, there is 
a very telling moment because that guy, as far as he goes back, is kiss, kiss, bang, bang. When I think of Robert Downey Jr., I think of, you know, the fact that he was um, he was nominated for an Oscar uh, in a very early role where he played Charlie Chaplin. He was, um, that's going back, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit further. So um, the, it turns out that the character he played in Less Than Zero was very similar to who he was in real life because he ended up going to prison and having a second act like no one else would believe. I mean, imagine getting out of jail and becoming Iron Man and and making yeah. hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, yeah, wow. You know, what a, what a yeah. term. Um, definitely the people that uh, put him through his uh, rehabilitation have some certainly some uh, some awards to pick up, say, well, geez, look what we did for him. We turned him right around and, and his career turned around like you wouldn't believe. Yep. But, um, yep. My, I mean, the point being that um, there's, there's, there's a lot of people, um, there's a lot of gurus, right, Self, self-professed. Yep. And uh, the problem with a guru is that if you don't think that you that your passion and your knowledge you are it, then any old guru can sell you on a concept of how to find it, or that they that they have found it. And if you listen to them, their word is somehow the be all and end all, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, it's not. Okay. On the flip side. There's so much, put it this way, people argue about cinema knowledge. There are more movies to be seen. There's just, just This is just like knowledge on earth. There are more movies to see than you will ever see, just as there's more knowledge on earth to know than you will ever learn in your lifetime. Because there's yep. only so many movies you can see in a lifetime. There's only so much knowledge you can learn in a lifetime. And depending on how much time you have to devote to that sort of thing. Now, I suppose they see that as an in, like all these cinema podcasts and and they, they come out and they go, well, you know, I'm the Martin Scorsese of my friends. I know all about cinema. Um, I don't profess to know anything. I'm just a guy who watches and has watched probably way too many movies. Um, sadly, we live in a world where I can honestly say that I've, I've seen more movies than some people have had hot dinners, which is... Yep. Which is which is not a proud thing that that I lord around because it's a sad thing, the fact that some people go without food and shelter and all that. And we're certainly living in those times, certainly here in Australia. I never thought I'd see so many homeless people in this country. It's, um, it's, a, sad, it's a sad moment uh, to see the state of things, to see the world go to hell the way it yep. is. Um, yep. But it is, it is things like this, it is... A story like Alien Sons, it is a story like Chasing Tarantino, it's a story like Muller Hunter. Uh, and as we were saying before we recorded this podcast, it's something that, you know, you talked about people just living in misery, going to work in misery, doing their job in misery, going to the bottle shop on the way home in misery, yeah. drinking that yeah. night in misery because they've got to get up the next day in misery and do it all over again. Yeah. And, and the thing that stops you tumbling off and falling into the void of misery is, is little things like dreams or happy thoughts. Absolutely. And, and, and if, look, if your happy thought is an exploitation movie directed by Tarantino, 
and people say that's crazy, well, that's fine. Yeah, maybe it is crazy, but it's it it look, it's a healthier obsession than waiting around to, you know, if you've lived to retire, if you've lived to work and you're at some point going to enjoy the fruits of all this work. But if you never get to do it, well, how much have you, how much have you killed yourself for nothing? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Mate, uh, in, in regards to what you're saying, <clears throat> and um, it, might, it might take me a, a short while, but I'll get to my point. In regards to what you're saying, uh, about the modern world and cinema and dreams, etc. Um, I, I work in construction as a traffic controller. I've been in construction for years. Um, and, and the world we live in today, this is a living example. I worked with a guy who's a working man, uh, never stolen, never been to prison, never really done anything bad, just been an honest worker, living in a car, yeah. right, in modern Australia. Yeah. Now... When I started writing Mother Hunter, um, and people may may find this hard to believe, but when I started writing Mother Hunter, apart from wanting to create a kick-ass story, a fantasy of mine in regards to it was getting this movie made and it'll be so successful that I'll be in a position to help people. That is one of the driving forces, believe it or not, because I'm, I'm blessed or cursed depending on perspective with heavy empathy, perhaps a little too much empathy to my own detriment. Now, why I'm so driven to see Mother Hunter created is because the story itself, even more so now than when you helped me finish write it, is poignant uh, to what society is going through now. And I believe if it does get made, it's extremely relative to the, the, the situation the world is in, right. but it will create hope for a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it will entertain and at the same time create hope in a time where people need hope like never before. Yeah. And I believe so much so that this movie has the potential to give birth to a new superhero. Yeah which could domino into more movies yeah. about hope for the common person. Sure. So I guess that's sort of what's driving the dream. And even though I work, uh, you know, a working class job and whatever, I still see that job as a potential um, avenue to sniff out investors. There's not one boss I've had that I haven't hit up to invest in my movie, sure. in, our, in our movie, I sure. should say. Yeah, yeah. But should an investor jump on board, sure. it's got to be with a considerable amount of money. Yes. Now, you're talking to, to do the film justice. Hmm. Now, you were talking about the exploitation genre and if this movie was sort of done in the 70s and 80s, we'd have a better chance of getting it made. That's because, who was it? Was it the Whitlam government? I believe it was the Whitlam government. They had an art fund where they, a year, I think they were given $13 million, $1 million, $1 million to 13 projects a year to meet the minimum Australian cinema 
production content annually. So 13 movies uh, back then were given a million bucks each. So if you had a sound idea back then, that you had a good crack at getting decent funding for these movies. That's where that exploitation genre came from, which ended up inspiring Quentin Tarantino. They opened up exploitation houses, cult cinema houses, to that genre in America. And that's where Tarantino got a lot of his style from, and he openly admits it. And one of the guys that is in a lot of those movies is the contact that I met who gave me Tarantino's agents details. And I was saying to his agents, it's time to bring Tarantino full circle and bring him back to his roots and get him to direct an exploitation movie, the genre that created his style, that inspired him, that he considers legendary. Let's bring him back to his roots and get him to make an exploitation film. Now, when Aussie films are made, even to this day, a lot of them are not successful. And I believe it's because they're, they're not being true to their Australian roots, which in itself is relatable in a common person way internationally, just with our accents, the way we behave, the way we talk, suburban culture, Australian culture, which is a thing unto itself. You present that properly, you're going to have success. Now, Australian, modern Australian cinema, if you notice, they still tend to talk like this. Not so much as uh, English as I am presenting now, and not that clearly, but they lean towards that style of dialogue still. Sure. Like they'll say, but what do you, what do you mean, Bill? Yeah. Aussies don't talk like that. They'll say, what do you mean, Bill? Do you see what I'm saying? So you give them that real realism, it'll work. Because even though it's a, we're nobody Australia down here internationally, you portray that realism in a film with a de- decent story, people will be attracted to it just by the Aussie accent. Right. You know, and I've been watching a lot of Australian films lately and they still tend to clarify their words too much and lean towards that English style of dialogue. Yes. You know, and it doesn't work because it's not authentic. No. So hopefully we can get this mother hunter made. So yeah, once again, Nicolas Cage, if you're out there, Tarantino, if you're out there, yes. I'm just a traffic controller, but hey, let's make a movie. We've got an opportunity here. Let's do something. Yes, serious. look, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to stop crying about this because um, after I heard your story uh, chasing Tarantino and um, I, I haven't talked a bit much about the, the, the plot or, or the content of Alien Sons because mainly because yeah. I to to go and watch it. I tell them to go and, and check out. YouTube, and of course, we'll put uh, in the um, in the description of this a link to uh, Con's Alien Sons, which is a really look. I think it's a really poignant little story, um, and and it's a shame that I look. I, I hope that people listening to this go and, and check it out. Check out both versions. Con's story that he tells over the the narrated version. And even the uh, unnarrated version is is a is such an interesting look at somebody trying to find their voice as an artist, someone trying to find their voice as a uh, as a filmmaker, 
and it's it's really beautiful it's it's almost um it's almost poetic in in some of its uh, its visuals so yeah i really encourage anyone out there listening to to get over we'll put the link as i say in the uh, in the in the in the box and people can check out Alien Sons and of course Nicolas Cage, Tarantino, everyone out there listening who has way too much money and wants to spell it, spend it, spill it, spend it on the um, probably one of the uh, the greatest cinematic masterpieces ever concocted by human minds uh, is is what we have to offer you. And that alone, like if someone came to me and said, look, if you've got, look, if I had, to, if I was liquid enough to spend like, you know, <clears throat> $100 million on something uh, and and someone came to me and says, you know, are you interested in creating something that will probably change the cinematic, the cinematic landscape for the rest of time? I'd say, how much do you need? Mate, what's interesting with what you're saying there, Kent, is I believe it's actually sincerely true and I'm not even being biased because I'm involved in the project. That's actually sincerely true, which is very interesting to hear um, come out of someone's mouth. Um, Now, uh, I also wanted to say in regards to Mother Hunter, this person that is revered by Quentin Tarantino when he read the opening scene that you mentioned before, oh, okay, yep. yep, he's been in many exploitation films that Tarantino loves. Is considered a legend, quote unquote, by Tarantino. He read the opening scene, and he sent me an email back after reading the first few pages, and he said that's the best opening scene I have read in my life. This Whoa. movie must be done, quote unquote. He actually said that, and as you know. I'm only not mentioning his name out of respect because yeah, he yeah. might not you know, so I know, you understand. I know he's but that's actually what he said. This is the dude that is mates with Tarantino. Um, said this is the best opening scene he's read in his life. And when I started writing it, that was the intention. And I believe it's also got the best climax in a movie you will ever see in your life, right? And I personally uh, so, think it's got one of the best potential product placements for Toyota. Um, yeah, right. Okay. I, I want a feeling. And, and also yep. the corresponding line, I want a feeling. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think that line, I, think, I don't think that line, certainly not in any other movie, but the, that, the way that line is used in this movie could be potentially, yep. potentially be the greatest ad for Toyota. And... The Nicholas, yeah, I agree. And the Nicholas Cage scene Nicholas would Cage. just be an absolute cinematic classic that everyone could relate to, you know. Um, so now I've gone from chasing Tarantino to somehow chasing T- uh, Cage. Yeah. How uh, I've been trying to get him for ages, but they're just online dead ends. Rattling. Uh, I'll, I'll see what happens. I'll keep pushing away, but hopefully he hears this in yeah. the well, that yeah, I'm going to put this out there because we'll uh, uh, we, we're going on a proper podcasting um, distributor this time, and then we're, we're going onto iTunes and all those 
hopefully we'll get distributed on there. So anyone out there listening that knows Nicholas Cage or Quentin Tarantino wants to make probably a movie, as I say, a movie that will, um, that I certainly believe in and that I certainly uh, put my heart and, and, and soul into it because that's the only way I can write anything. Uh, Mother Hunter is potentially the next great milestone. It could be the it could be the next Easy Rider that changes the cinematic landscapes the way Easy Rider came along, and and changed it way back when uh, Hopper was was uh, still with us. Uh, we can do that again. That's what we've got. That's what we've got to offer. Con Christopoulos has been my guest here on Cinema Yugen. His movie is Alien Sons. Get over to YouTube and check it out, both versions, the narrated and unnarrated Rebel without a clue, but he's got quite a good clue. And I thank him very much for being my guest here on Cinema Yugen. Thanks, Con. Thank your passion is much appreciated, mate. Thanks for your time and thanks for talking to me and thanks for rekindling hope. That's the, that's a big thing. That's a power, powerful thing. Strength to you, my friend. Hope, All the best. Hope never dies. Thanks. Never. Cheers. All the best, buddy. See you, mate.